The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where, where, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our gospel reading, the chief priests and elders are upset with Jesus. The chief priests and elders had never liked Jesus. Jesus wasn't part of their club. He wasn't from Jerusalem. He hadn't gone to the right schools. He wasn't from the right families. What's more is that he also appeared to them to be a dangerous heretic. He healed people on the Sabbath, for example. And that's work, is it not? So that's forbidden. Every self-respecting Jew for generations had washed their hands in a certain way, and lo and behold, his disciples didn't wash their hands that way they flaunted the tradition of their people. So the chief priests and elders already didn't like Jesus, but what had been going on lately was just over the top. The day before our reading took place was Palm Sunday, and when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he was greeted by all kinds of magnificent songs. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here's the king, a king like King David and Hosanna. And save us now, we pray. That's what all the people were joyously singing, but that same singing made these people sick. They knew that he was a heretic. He was no good. All their best theologians had said so. But then Jesus did something more. 
He entered into their home turf. He went into the temple. And when he saw what was going on, it made him angry. Buying here, selling there. And so Jesus kicked them all out. And they had tables set up with cages of pigeons and cash registers and Jesus went to their tables and he flipped them over and money and pigeons were flying everywhere and he quoted scripture to them he said this house is to be a house of prayer and you've made it a den of robbers our gospel reading today is from the day after Jesus did these things, and so it is not surprising that as Jesus was teaching in the temple, the chief priests and elders should come up to him and say, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? They wanted to know, had Jesus somehow been authorized to raise havoc? But actually... I think they already knew the answer, at least from the way that they looked at things. Of course he didn't have that authority. They themselves were the ones who had the authority. They didn't give him the authority to do those things. But Jesus surprises them by not immediately answering their question. He asks them a question. And if they'll answer his question, then he'd be happy to answer their question. So Jesus asks, John's baptism, from where did it come? Did it come from God or from man? And you heard how the chief priests and elders discussed how they should answer. If they were to say that John's baptism was from God, then Jesus would just say, well, why then didn't you get baptized? But if they said that John's baptism was from man, they couldn't do that either because the people wouldn't stand for it. The people regarded John to be a prophet. So they said, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now let's look a little more closely at what the chief priests and elders were doing. Notice how the chief priests and elders are really dishonest from the start. Already with that first question they ask, they weren't looking for a genuine answer. It's more an accusation in the form of a question. By what authority do you do these things? They don't want to know what authority he has. They already know, at least as far as they are concerned, that he has no authority. And then when Jesus asks them his question, he is subtly pointing them towards the truth. Jesus brings up God, something that was not on the chief priests and elders' radar. Jesus would have them consider, might it be that John the Baptist was sent from God? And might it be then that if John the Baptist is sent from God, then might also Jesus be sent from God? Might it be that his authority is from God? But this subtle suggestion is completely lost on them. It's like seed being scattered on a beaten path. They didn't think about God. When John, when John the Baptist was brought up, all they thought about is how they didn't like John the Baptist either. 
He too wasn't part of their club. He too said stuff and did stuff that annoyed them. No, of course John's baptism wasn't from God, but they dare not say that out loud. The idiotic people thought he was a prophet. So notice what these church leaders are doing, or rather not doing. They aren't interested in what is true. They don't lay their cards on the table either. Everything that they say is calculated and artificial. Their thoughts are not on God. Their thoughts are on how their words and actions are going to affect them, either positively or negatively. And since they do not care about God or about what is true, the meat and the substance of what they are supposed to be about as members of the church and as leaders of the church, that's been completely lost. They're only dealing with the husks, the outward appearances of faith. And this was the very thing that Jesus had reacted against so violently the day before. When he came into the temple and saw what was going on, he saw that it was all mechanical and empty. There was certainly a lot of hustle and bustle, but nothing of substance, nothing of faith, nothing of conscience, and of groping after God. People were coming and going. They were putting their offerings in week after week, rinse and repeat. And Jesus looks at their bored faces and exclaims, This house is to be a house of prayer. That means that people are supposed to care and to think, to wrestle with God, to call upon Him. Wrestling with God was not on the table. The husks were. The meat and the substance was gone. And that's a good way to understand the contrast between the chief priests and elders on the one hand and John the Baptist and Jesus on the other. John the Baptist and Jesus called out for the meat and the substance. The Gospels summarize the preaching of both John the Baptist and Jesus with the same words. Both John the Baptist and Jesus preached, Repent, for the kingdom of God draws near. Now that is a clear message. The king is coming. God is coming. That's a simple message that affects every last one of us. God can come suddenly and unexpectedly. Any one of us could die today or tomorrow, and we will meet our Maker. That's when the kingdom of God comes to us individually, or today or tomorrow. It could be the end of this age, and He could come with power and great glory with His angels to judge the living and the dead. And in the light of the kingdom of God drawing near, both John and Jesus say the same thing. Repent. Change your ways. Let the sinner sin no longer. Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, he says, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those who get drunk, nor those who party, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. There's that word, kingdom of God. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I know that you've done such things. I've done such things. I'm sorry to say. John the Baptist and Jesus say, repent. Stop it. To which we might very well say, I don't want to. We might, that might very well be the truth. After all, why have we done these things to begin with? Nobody held a gun to our head and said, be sexually immoral or else, or be greedy or else. No, the reason why we did these things is because these were the things that we wanted to do. And it might be against our will to stop. I'll give you another example. Your dad comes to you, as dads tend to do, and tells you, go outside and work. I've never met the kid who unfailingly responds, hooray! I get to go outside and work. More often than not, we say inwardly, at least, I don't want to. Jesus gave the chief priests and elders a parable along these lines. He said, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go out in the vineyard today and work. And he answered, I don't want to. But afterward, he repented. That's actually the word there. He repented and went. And the father went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, yes, sir, I will go. But he never did. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. And they were right. And then Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will enter into the kingdom of God before you. For John the Baptist came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not afterward repent and believe him. It is not surprising that someone does not want to go work. Likewise, it is not surprising that anyone who likes to sin would want to stop. The tax collectors and prostitutes were the open sinners. They brazenly said, we don't want to. But later they changed their mind. They repented. The other 
son, on the other hand, looked better. He looked pious. He said, yes, sir, when his father went and told him to do something he didn't want to do. Although he looked different from outward appearances and as far as words are concerned, inwardly he was just like his brother. He didn't want to. He had the same heart. But as it turned out, he ended up being worse. He looked better, he had the right words, but he didn't go out and work. Even when his brother, who had said the wrong words, and then went out and started working, that other brother didn't change his mind. He was content to have said the right words. He was content with the outward appearance that he had given. Now this is a special danger for regular churchgoers like us. We can be content with appearances. We have our church machinery here that runs week in and week out, and it is quite easy for us to believe that being minimally involved in this machinery is more than enough. We don't need to repent unless we should happen to want to. But to this we must say no. The kingdom of God draws near. Husks and outward appearances are not enough. We might fool our fellow human beings with outward appearances, but there's no fooling God. God's kingdom is coming. The king is coming. He truly is. And how will you welcome him? See to it that when he comes, you're not ashamed. Instead, welcome him with joy. And it's not like we need to be afraid of the real substance, that reigning and ruling of God. God's kingdom is good. Jesus is gracious and merciful. The people who greeted him on Palm Sunday were happy to see him. They were full of joy at the prospect of Jesus being their king. And that is available just as much for you as well. Or when Jesus appeared to his disciples after he rose from the dead, they didn't go running away from him in terror. They were glad to see him even though they, know, they knew full well that they had many things for which they needed to be forgiven. God's kingdom is like our opening hymn. As surely as I live, God said, I would not see the sinner dead. I want him turned from error's ways, repentant, living endless days. Please stand. May the Lord bless your communion with him. May this house be a house of prayer. Amen.